You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense. But we are ASAP Science here to make things make sense. Today we are talking about digital nomads, people who are working from abroad. It's become a lot more popular since the pandemic, so we're going to see what the impact of that has been. Has it helped economies, hurt local economies? Is it good or bad? Uh, but first, we'll be talking about pigs, <laughs> so it was, and daylight savings time. Whoa, pigs and daylight savings time. <laughs> Sounds like a bad pub. <laughs> Oh my god, you want to meet at Pigs and Daylight Savings Time? <laughs> Actually, does. It sounds like one of those. I can't think of it. The Fox and the Fiddle, or like yeah, that's a great. What are that's the other the ones? Most quintessential. <laughs> well, like it's like anything. It's always like so the boar and the crumpet. Yeah, Pigs and Daylight Savings Time. That would be like a really dank pub where you'd get warm beer, hot take. That's what British people actually drink. I still can't believe the first time I went to a pub in London and then I got a beer and everyone got beer and it was warm it was just like so you're all sick in the head (laughs) but like are you sure that's what everyone drinks or it's just well it was ordered for me because they were saying (laughs) let's get a pint let's get a cheeky pint (laughs) and they brought it to me and i was like oh i think there must be something wrong and they were like no we like this and it was like oh okay yeah yeah for sure yeah a lot of taste in this country wow why do i always you just love to hate you're such a hater i'm a hater of myself you everyone hates themselves and i (laughs) i hate the commonwealth and i just i'm so common what common i have not really spent much time in london as an adult at least like i visited you once when you were teaching there but outside of that i feel like i'd like to go and just like get a vibe yeah and listen to our older podcast for what did we learn this week was about how it's going to be underwater in the future if you don't figure out climate change that's a spook for all yeah (sighs) london's a sleigh it's a huge international city there's really nothing you can make fun of it for except it has a horrible nightlife the food's just okay um it's really gray in (laughs) the winter (laughs) (laughs) it's really expensive slowly losing all our supporters from (laughs) around the world one episode at a time when you look at who listens to this podcast it's like the most is no like obviously America, Canada, and then the second is Australia, and the third is London, <laughs> is the UK, and I'm just, like, dragging them. It's like, why am I doing that? That's the Stop. opposite of... Yeah. I love all countries. It, no, but you love... Like, well, it's not my fault I have opinions. No, you love <laughs> what you nice. are. No, I... Wait, what is it? I hate what I well, love. I'm half South Asian, so I, like, have, you know, I was also colonized in multiple ways by the British. Yeah, you should definitely not like the British. But then you're also the colonizer. Yeah. That's complicated. It's a complicated relationship. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. even, yeah, when we went to 
India and you saw like the grave of your grandfather, it was like a British grave. It wasn't actually the grave of my oh. grandfather. Oh. Just had the same last name. And I was yeah. like, maybe that's like my great, 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 great. Yeah. And then when we looked it up, it was like the most famous colonizer <laughs> like of the place. We were like, oh, gulp. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just like, quite as Indian as I thought. Or no, I was just like, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we talk about daylight savings time? Because that's also what's on my mind. It's so dark in Toronto. It's wild. Yeah. Why? Oh, those are my empanadas. So you have to entertain oh, the masses. Okay. Well, for I'm like, I gotta hit one, one minute. This week, right? Yeah, off, actually, but... do it, and I'll listen. But I'm just gonna go take my empanadas okay. out of the <laughs> oven. Um, I did not hear a sound play at all. So if there was no jingle there, <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. For one second, so okay, well, Greg loves hates every country unless they have empanadas <laughs> and speak Spanish. Um, my what you learn this week, it might feel a little outdated. It's about daylight savings time. We're recording this ahead of time, so we just experienced this. Um, but there, just before it happened, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine said their official stance is that it should be got rid of, that there needs totally. to be permanent standard time. Specifically, because of the increased risk of physical health, mental well-being, and public safety, which don't like people die of car crashes. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> okay. at least this one we just experienced, where you're gaining an hour, is probably a little easier to stomach. But especially when you jump forward and lose an hour of sleep, there's so many more accidents, hospitalizations, yeah. like all these kind of things, because people's reaction times are worse. And there's I'm sleep so deprived. mad. I like got up in the morning and I was like 8:45, not 9:45. I gained an hour. I was so happy. Jumped right back into bed and then went on. Twitter <laughs> and yeah. then just wasted and waste an hour. hour and then yeah. I was like oh, it's like 45 and then I was like in a rush again and I was like I hate myself uh but I I agree I just don't I get I guess it was created so like the morning could be bright brighter when people are going but to we work. don't have a real job so we don't care yeah no morning. I understand the feeling of waking up in the dark and it being like treacherous and I hate that feeling. this morning is but basically permanent standard time would help like have everyone synchronized body clock to the actual rising and setting of the sun um, and that's optimal for like everything, like yeah. mood, performance, like your actual health. So that is their stance. Yeah. And I concur. I really just don't like daylight savings time. It's like, it's so dark early now. It's like, whether it's dark in the morning or it's dark at night, we can't help it. The sun's not su like on us that much in Toronto. I don't care if it's in the morning or night, just keep the time the same. Yeah. I no think, one cares. I think people would rather not lose the sleep, especially since you jump forward. I just realized why. Oh, Greg the volume was in was control there. of the board today and he turned the volume all the way down. Okay, this is up. like, well, this is a separate topic. Maybe it's just for a therapy session. Mitch has an insane problem where he can't, <laughs> he has to blame everyone else <laughs> no, for okay. his issues. It's crazy it's if you could live with me. crazy. If there's something wrong in the living room. Well, Kay. Greg, what'd you do? It's like, oh no, look in the mirror. No, Greg. Th that was my mistake. Who cares? Okay, there we go. Okay, I know <laughs> that was my mistake. I'm just saying. I'm just going to play it now so people can hear it. Oh, what did we learn this week? There we go. I have it just <laughs> talking about the separate thing. The other day, the garbage wouldn't come out of the bag, wouldn't come out of the garbage can. You're like, what did you do? <laughs> I'm like, there's a plastic thing that's stuck there. Maybe you kept going, oh, oh. And you're like, you were like, furious at this garbage <laughs> can. I'm like, calm down. Be a little patient. Shimmy it around a bit. You're like, well, what did you put in here? I'm like, 
It's a garbage can. <laughs> it's half your garbage, half mine. I didn't well, do anything more than you. So slammed with stuff that You're couldn't even come out of the bin. Insufferable. Wow, I didn't sleep very well you last night. You are mean to British people, <laughs> to know. Australian people, I and know. me. I was also Those like, are the three things you <laughs> are get most annoyed by. I also was like, That's I, why could, I, I can make us lose more followers if we want. Because I saw the Taylor Swift movie and I was like, mm, okay, I don't We care. have to yeah, move like, on. Like, <laughs> We're going like, to lose everyone. Okay, but just should I move to your Waterloo this week. So I'm not going to. That bring the Swifties into this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Did you know that there was like what? This is like my what okay. We're moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. My, my whatever this week is like very basic to start because I didn't know there was like wild European boars in Canada and they're a huge problem. Where? In Alberta. And now the issue is that this study found that they've been spotted in the Northwest Territories and it's like now they're coming for the Northwest Territories and they eat migrating birds who all nest there and they're potentially one of the most dangerous invasive species in all of the Americas. Wow. Never heard of it. I know. And look at Also them. though, like little side note, speaking of Alberta, apparently like so many like Calgarians and Albertans are starting to complain about Ontarians and Torontonians like migrating there and being like, stop trying to bring your lifestyle to Alberta. But everyone's like, there's fucking ads everywhere in Toronto on the subway being like, come to Christmas town, come to the best city in the world. And like now nomad vibes. But <laughs> it is. Canada. Yeah. So like apparently like they are getting annoyed that what, people from, so Ontario. from Ontario, are, are they digital nomads and living? No, no, no. Like so many people have moved to Alberta for like better jobs basically, or, or like higher paying jobs. And just so if you're from Alberta, you understand like, Everywhere you go here, especially in Toronto, there's ads trying to convince people that Alberta is the place that to be. That sucks. You show up because you're like, this ad worked on me. And then they're <laughs> like, actually, we don't want you here. Um, yeah. So they're European wild boars that were in that were brought to Canada in the 1980s because some farmers were like, we can raise them for meat. And then by mistake, they escaped and literally have just been like, just like ran into the forest all over. <laughs> They're in Alberta. They're between Alberta and Quebec. Now they're in the Northwest Territories. And it's super scary because they eat all the vegetation. They don't have proper predators. And I was just like, what? I just didn't know about the wild boar problem in Canada. I had no idea. And now the world knows. And I know that a lot of people listening are now, from now Australia. Now after this podcast, now the world <laughs> knows. And now Australian <laughs> and British people, if you're still listening, you now know. Although I would be okay if you have, in fact, given up on us because I'm so mean. <laughs> I'm also mean to Canada. It's like, that's embarrassing. It's like, no offense, Alberta. What's your culture? That's so different than Ontario's. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, we're Canadian. We don't like our culture is what Tim Hortons. Our t- culture is what like obliterating like a genocide of indigenous people. Mm. I'm just like, I'm sorry. There isn't that much difference between Alberta and Ontario. I am like in the grand scheme of things. I know. need to nap. Yeah, are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just, I'm definitely like, I'm definitely Good like, testy. yeah, no, I'm pissed. Spicy today. Maybe I need an empanada. <laughs> I mean, it's not nice to know there's wild pigs ruining Canada. I was like, I didn't need so, to know that. So, yeah, I guess that is Also sad. vampire fish. That's another thing that's on here. Those are like two invasive species? They're another invasive species. I was wondering, Greg has a picture of like a <laughs> boar and then something that looks terrifying. And I was, I, I was kind of thinking like, is that its hoof? <laughs> no, but it's that's a vampire the fish mouth that they s- of a fish. Yeah, and they <laughs> stick on other fish and they're invasive. And they've, they've been getting the colonies down pretty well. But the pandemic like made an issue like, with working across the borders because it was like a lot in the Great Lakes. So Canada and American mm-hmm. scientists were, had to cross borders in order to do it. And since they couldn't, now they're like picking up again. Humans are simultaneously so smart and so stupid. Yeah. Put that tattoo that on your butt cheek. <laughs> it's so true. We're so smart and so dumb. Yeah. I started to watch Real Housewives. 
And I was like, wow, this, this is actually the dumbest thing ever. But then I'm like, I can't look away. Like, and I'm it's like, so it's smart. smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, break time. Yeah. And we'll come back for Digital Nomads. If you take a look at the trends, interest in learning a new language is only increasing over time. And there tends to be a bit of a spike around this time of the year because it's a perfect time to pick up a new hobby, like learning a new language. And with Babbel, you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, just in time to show off at the holidays. I'm loving Babbel. I'm trying to learn Spanish as well as I can. We went to Barcelona recently. Babbel was getting me through ordering. It was getting me through meeting new people. There were a few people who were are you Spanish? I was like, no, babes, just Babbel. <laughs> so right now you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are a little more than just games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. For instance, one study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is a equivalent to a full semester at college. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash side note. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash side note spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash side note. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Study time. Study time. Study time. So where were you the first time you heard the term digital nomad? I actually think it was... Well, I think when we were in Colombia, I heard it like lightly, but it felt like on that. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm looking at you. Oh, okay, I thought you were with like in, like with <laughs> intention. Okay, uh, <laughs> and on that same trip, we went to Argentina and Buenos Aires, is where I felt like I was so much more aware of it. Like, wow, someone's been doing babble. <laughs> Buenos Aires. Um, yeah, it was definitely like the. I think for me too, this, it was one year ago and so it was you're when we were in Colombia. No, but I'm just like, it is so... So you're obsessed with me and you're copying my answer. <laughs> oh my God. It's so post-pandemic vibes. Yes. And that is like what pe- most of the research suggests as yeah, well. People were like, oh, I'm working from home now pretty much a, a lot more. That's not proper English. <laughs> I guess I know what that feels like now. I could probably do this from Bali or whatever. Yeah. And just to give people context, if you haven't heard of digital nomads, like I know we kind of mentioned it up front, but the idea is there's you know a lot of people who realized during the pandemic that they can do their job entirely remotely. And so a lot of people 
you know, whether you're in Canada, America, anywhere in the world, realize, okay, I could just pick up, go somewhere. Maybe it's somewhere warmer. Maybe it's somewhere with a different culture. Do my work from there. But while I'm having a sort of like travel, not like an intense travel experience, but living in another city. It's giving also 20s to early 30s vibe slash maybe you're not like trying to build your life and have kids. Like it's very. Yes, I have some interesting stats on that, though. Oh, Slay, go off. Yeah, some studies. Well, I'm just going to start by saying that 4.8 million Americans are pursuing digital nomad work right now in either a full or part-time capacity. What number did you say? 4.5 million. I have 17.3 million Americans workers currently describe themselves as digital nomads. Okay, whoa. Mine's from the MBO Partner State of Independence in America report. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, mine. Let me pull it up. Mine was from like a U of T study. No, well, I have that 17. MBO Partners. That's the same report. 17 million people aspire to be digital nomads. No, I'm on the website today. 17.3 million American workers currently describe themselves as digital nomads. Look at this fucking graph. Whoa. Wait, okay. Mine says 17 million independent workers aspire to become digital nomads and 4.8 million Americans are already pursuing digital nomadic work in either a full or part-time capacity. Well, is yours an outdated study? Like maybe because yours is right now in front of us. <laughs> 17, so then those aspiring ones from my study of three years ago are not <laughs> They've doing They've done it. it. <laughs> 17 mil, that's cr- I thought 4.8 million was a lot. No. 17 million Americans are across the world. And was see, it the same site? MBO? Yeah, MBO, literally. Weird. Maybe but you mine might be year. old because mine's just me writing it out. Yours is right on the website. Um, okay, so that, for example, is 131% up from pre-pandemic, wow. 2019 to 2022. Wow. Um, and then it Tis said a thing. It's, it's grown by 2% since 2022. Wow. Um, this so, other study predicted that by... Well, we can't trust oh, your studies. Yeah, no, days. I know. It was just from the <laughs> same... Kidding, I'm kidding, no, I'm well, I'm like, my study was just linking other ones. I didn't... Cl- this is just saying that 31% of all workers worldwide will work remotely or at like hybrid workforce mm. in 10 years. Okay, I have nothing to dispute that. Yeah, okay. um, but anyways, yeah, don't listen to me. I Continue. brought this up because we were talking about like Kids. who is actually yeah. Yeah, traveling. One big stat was obviously people who are not tethered in that way, not just kids, but dogs or family members have to take care of. Like a lot of digital nomads are people who are able to just pick up and leave. Yeah. But they said Gen Z accounts for around 21%, millennials account for 37%, and then the rest are older. So that's still combined more than 50% is like young people, but like a huge chunk of Gen X and beyond are also digital nomads. And maybe in some ways they're the people who have the most affluence to be able to do it. You know what I mean? They've like accrued their career. They're maybe able to like, you're giving a look again. No, I'm like, could you be a, I guess you could just be a digital nomad with your whole family and kids. You could be. That yeah. just seems crazy. Yeah, it would, me, up, it would uproot your kids' lives. Like if they have to change schools, maybe yeah, not speak the like, native, native yeah, language. Like, oh, we're gonna go move to Columbia for a year, and you're gonna go to school in Columbia. I'd be like, um, that's insane. Like, if you're a kid, you'd be like, <laughs> what? Really speak English? But I mean, a lot of families do that. If even if they're not digital nomads, like because of parents' jobs, they have to like, get yeah. up and go somewhere no, else. That's so, true. Maybe it's more and more common now, but not to say that's an easy thing. I know. And whenever I meet those kids who are like, I grew up in this country and this country and that country, there's always, I'm always like, you're actually kind of cool. So like they like have a swag. The the for sure examples in my life where I'm like, wow, you are smart and you're interesting and you know so much. But other times when you're like, you are weird. (laughs) 
Okay, interesting. I guess it's like everything. There could be outliers. No, you're right. It doesn't like make your kid cool, but I just in my head thought it would. But yeah. maybe as a young person, when I met people like that, I just they were weird because I because like, you they were, were weird beyond me. You know what I mean? Like they actually they were like, "Have you ever word. had ramen?" And you were like, "What word is that?" I'm like, "You mean Mr. Noodle?" <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have that every day. By the way, for our international audience, Mr. Noodle is what we call ramen in Canada. Like the, the oh package my god, kind. Mitch. Like we not don't have an editor, but edit this out. What? Mr. Noodle is not what we call ramen in Canada. <laughs> it's a random ass, like, if insane. You get, if you get, oh like, a little package of fake ramen in Canada, it's probably Mr. Noodle. If you choose to buy Mr. Noodle, which is your favorite food of all time, there's choices <laughs> to be made, and it's just, okay, we're moving on. Okay, we'll wait, do an episode I on Mr. Noodle. I Canadians to chime in. Like, I'm not talking about going to get real ramen, like, from a ramen shop. I mean... Growing up in university, these times when you're like eating these noodles because they're so cheap, it's yeah, like I know what I Mr. Bet Noodle I is. I need people to back me up and be like, yeah, Mr. Noodle is top choice, top okay, shelf. Okay, that's <laughs> different than going to Barcelona, which we'll talk about soon, and being like, oh wow, you have ramen here. Oh, in Canada, we call that Mr. Noodle. <laughs> that's what you said. You're like, in Canada, we call ramen. Okay, okay we're done. No, we're, no, we're side noting. No. Too hard. <sighs> we are moving on. What? You take what? everything away from okay, me. Okay, what do you need to say <laughs> about Mr. Nula? I said wrong. Because I'm a dumb little Canadian kid who's ignorant, and I didn't know it was called ramen until I was, was like in university. I yeah. had Mr. Noodle like every day of my life. I see. And you just were like, it's And serious. then I met an American in Australia. Okay. Your least favorite thing coming <laughs> together. <laughs> and then they were like, do you want to get ramen? And I was like, what the absolute you hell are you Mr. talking Noodle. about? Okay, fine. That's funny. That's on you. You're, you're, you're embarrassing. And I was like, yeah, you mean Mr. Noodle. And then we went and got a package. I was like, it's not called Mr. Noodle here. <laughs> Okay, so digital nomads, I think there is, you know, an excitement if you're in the West and you're of affluence, like, okay, like, let's pick up, let's go live in Bali, let's go live in Barcelona, where we just were, has a big issue with this, a lot of British Wait, people. Wait, where? Barcelona. Oh, oh, yeah, we were there. <laughs> and um, Lisbon, Portugal, the Brits are moving in, mm. and uh, Mexico, there's a huge issue. Yeah, Puerto apparently Rico. Mexico City is one of the biggest digital nomad cities. And people consider, like I think Chiang Mai in uh, Thailand, kind of one of the original not, digital nomad like, places. Not digital nomad, but like a place where a lot, because it's like really inexpensive and a lot of people would go and just like work there and set yeah. up shop. Um, and now it's like, since the pandemic, even more so. So in like um, Mexican beach towns in the Southwest, there was a bunch of them I was reading studies about. So the average salary of the American no digital nomads moving in is five times higher than the average Mexican salary of those local places. Mm. So this creates an inflation. I'm trying to learn about inflation. And I was like, <laughs> oh, here we go. And it creates an inflationary problem mm. because the demand is now outweighing the supply of residences, which makes sense. You're in a beach town. There's not that many places. Yeah. So that creates pressure for the prices to go up. Yes. And they've been, they've gone up so fast that the lo the locals are then expelled from where they're living. Whereas I think a lot of people think, Oh, we're digital nomads. We're helping the economy mm -hmm. almost immediately in these places. It was the complete opposite. There was like, they're now like trying to figure out how to like almost have movements yeah. to ensure that, like they're protected as yeah, because local communities. What happened in these five beach towns is that the people, the Mexican people living there were first displaced, completely evicted. And then because the demand was so high, they started to just literally like bulldoze all the Nate, like not, not natural. It's the wrong word buildings to make high rises right. and For essentially create like Starbucks. And it's like, yeah. yeah, 
like and it's basically all like digital destroying the actual culture that was there yeah for like a sanitized version that suits north american or western sort of like yes. views of community and it's like interesting for those places because they're so small we'll get into like barcelona and bigger cities because it's like obviously there's issues but it's different when it's like a small beach town in mexico and they actually fully displace everyone yeah it's like okay that's well, not it good it is interesting because obviously on the surface if you think about doing it yourself, it seems exciting. And it is like, okay, this could be so fun. And yeah, there is, it's easy to be like, and my money is going to go support. Like, yes, I might be more affluent, but I can like spend money in these communities and I'm helping and I'm not like hurting anyone. And my money's not, is coming from somewhere else. So I'm actually bringing like Canadian dollars with me and spending them in a different country. So in that way, it's not like I'm siphoning the money from their own country. And you know what I mean? But, but when you start to live there, yeah, it creates I, and an I issue. think it's just, interesting because tourism is such a integral part for many countries economies like some mm -hmm. countries depend on tourism as like their main source of one well, of their main sources of revenue this talks a lot about how people aren't staying in hotels hotels were an important part of these beach towns because it would mm -hmm. siphon the tourists to the hotels and it wouldn't be taking over the, the actual, living quarters yeah. but people now want like the experience of yeah if you're living, a digital nomad right? you're not living in a hotel you you want to like have a kitchen and you want to like feel like you're around local people but you also wouldn't that's not what digital nomads are renting places they're mm -hmm. not staying in hotels because you if you yeah, stay in a hotel for six expensive. months yeah, yeah yeah so i'm just like that wasn't interesting there was, a, there was a part about yeah. hotels like the people were like no, we mm. we had tourism. We were into tourists mm -hmm. who were in those hotels over there for a week. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you're like competing in the rental market, which is obviously then going to raise rents. If you have five times the disposable income to then be like, well, I'm going to like pay for this one that's relatively cheap to me. Yeah. But of course, then like the local like landlords or whatever are going to be willing to like raise their prices that people and will pay for in it. fairness, a lot of digital nomads in one survey I read were leaving major cities like New York, London, Toronto to for escape these places that problem. <laughs> to escape the fact that they couldn't live the life that they wanted in these expensive cities. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of interesting. It was like, oh, they're not maybe just necessarily moving there because they're so rich or whatever. Sometimes they're right. like, we're struggling in yeah. New York. Uh, but my salary can go so much yes. further. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like I didn't, I just thought it's it was not like about necessarily the just like the most affluent people, but yes. relative to yeah. the local communities they're going to, they're yes. probably considered yeah. very affluent. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like you have to be in a certain category to be able to consider this at all. Yeah. In North America, I think like you're not like taking people who are struggling. They're not the ones who are like, they don't even have the ability to go. Yeah. You have yeah. to be like somewhat middle class to be able to go like, yeah. I'm going to pay for a, a plane and organize my way to get there and like have a job that allows me to work remotely. Like most, um, lower wage work isn't remote. Yeah, that's true. Like you're going to be working on, yeah, that's so true. But it makes sense that you're not necessarily like, but in like Medellin, 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 Colombia, where we lived for three months. Um, there were so many digital nomads and so many people would be like, are you guys digital nomads? And because we're pieces of shit who like are really bad at working and we weren't working for three months. We're like, no, it was our 10 year anniversary actually... trip of our job. <laughs> no, no, I know. But it's just funny. It's like people be like, oh, you're digital nomads. We're like, nope, we're actually just not working for three months. And they're like, okay, like what? And it's like, I, I kind of felt not that there was judgment about digital nomads, but I felt better saying I wasn't a digital nomad when yeah. I was in Medellin. When you're I was there, like, you start to realize there is a way that people might think of you 
Same, same with just like being a tourist. Like sometimes local populations can be annoyed by tourists because tourists yeah. can be really intense. And so I think it's that it kind of has a bit of a stain on it to be a digital nomad. Like, yes, on one hand could be cool, but I'm sure there are lots of local people who are seeing the direct impacts that are a little bit annoyed. Well, Medellin was super interesting because unlike a place like Barcelona, which I have like, I guess I'm confused when to talk. I'll talk about it now. But Barcelona's really struggling with this. But they're a major historical city where a lot of <laughs> there was like really funny parts about a survey of Spanish people being like, these digital nomads are coming and contributing nothing mm. to the culture of this city, which I was like, drag them <laughs> to hell. Like that Barcelona's different. They're like, okay, we get it. We're a sick city. We're yeah. beautifully designed. Yeah. We get that you want to come here. We also are having like it's cheaper here. We're an amazing city. They're coming. They're making. The, they talked about the Poble New neighborhood, like mm-hmm. the one above the gay beach that we were at. Remember that? Like he took us to that neighborhood that yeah. was like used to be a swamp yeah. and like kind of is like being gentrified. How that neighborhood is like so frustrated with digital nomads. Mm. But it was interesting because they were like, yes, like now a beer costs more and our rents more, but they're like at least like. <laughs> be cool like they had these really right. funny like if you're gonna like, show up here like yeah be a they're cool like person. we're freaking like cool ass spanish people <laughs> who have like really interesting culture but you're like coming here and you're bringing like with you starbucks yeah. and you're bringing with you like yeah. some like basic you're americanizing you know, it yeah. yeah like and i was like that is so interesting north americans have a culture that mm. europeans are like what are you doing you're now making it's it's worse yeah <laughs> whereas in medellin it's like okay that's a city that has really in recent years had a lot of turmoil mm-hmm. like unlike barcelona i think that there at first might have been a bit of like this is exciting there's tourists coming back here right we, we are yeah but I now think, we have to figure out how we deal with yeah this. like i obviously as a canadian don't want to justify digital nomadism in colombia or medellin um or oh, it's tourism, a huge issue but obviously like on the one hand you have it it was like only a few decades ago one of the most dangerous places in the world obviously the fact that tourists are going there is at least a good sign and is transforming the economy and transforming like the safety of certain areas and i think that's a good thing but obviously like, there's like there's trade-offs right well i think that's and why i'm like digital it's not for us to decide i think it's like the local communities have to decide what is actually best for them but reading about digital nomadism i'm like it's a huge issue like in medellin they're not they're they're really happy with tourism. They're not happy with digital nomads. Like they're creating those, like from what I was reading, there's all these. Yeah. But sometimes it's a blurred line between being a tourist and a digital nomad. Like, no, for example, in in Medellin, like the neighborhood we stayed in when we were there just years before the pandemic, they were like, this was not this busy. Like these streets weren't closed down for pedestrians. Like it's become so popular. The rents have skyrocketed in this neighborhood because it's where all the tourists know. It's like kind of the safe area. That's like lots of tourists around. It's busy all the time. So you don't have to be as worried. And the nightlife is crazy. Yeah, it's wild nightlife. Obviously in one hand, that's a good thing. But I think like there's not always such a distinction between a tourist and a digital nomad, even though they may be contributing differently. And, and from like a governmental level, there might be like specific definitions. And as we come across more research, we might be able to see a tourist provides this and takes this and a digital nomad provides this and takes this. I just think about rents. Like in yeah. Medellin, they were talking about. But tourists can still do short term rentals. 
I know, but for the most part, like tourists not. are doing Airbnb. Yes, Airbnb. Airbnb is displacing the rental yes, market. Air, you're right. People can make more from it. And so they rent, they buy a place and they go, instead of renting this out long term, I'm going to rent it out three days here, five days here, 10 days here. Yeah, that's for true. For way more money. So I don't think, like, I know, I don't disagree that they are separate things, but they definitely blurred lines. Do you have any studies? I was just going to keep. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, I I thought I'd like talk a little bit too about the impact on the nomads and then the impact on the country. Wait, the impact on the. So like like the person who's who's gone somewhere. Yeah. Let's picture like. We'll say Canadian. You want to say an Australian. I know you do so. (laughs) Okay. Picture a Canadian who looks like an Australian. (laughs) Literally just picture me. Yeah. You're getting like some like blonde ass idiot with a red face. If he has one pint. Going to, um, should we do Colombia or is that like two? And it doesn't matter. I don't have specific countries. Oh, stats. I'm trying to be like, I, I thought you were talking about like my new lifestyle. No, well, I just have some stats about digital. Oh, nomads, okay. Yeah. The people themselves. He's like, they're Australian looking. <laughs> no. So digital nomads are the most satisfied workers out of oh, every kind of worker. Okay. So 80% of digital nomads report True. being highly satisfied Sly. and 9% report being satisfied with their work compared to only 59% of workers who are non-digital nomads wow, consider okay. themselves highly satisfied. Okay, yeah, the shit's so obviously grow. there's yeah. like a, a part of it that like fulfills you. If you're going somewhere else, you get to do your job, but you're also having this totally. secondary experience, which is making you feel fulfilled. And it probably makes you be like, oh, my job's so cool. It's allowing me to do this cool thing. And it makes you probably realize your job isn't the end of the world. I feel like the one yeah. thing I learned from traveling mean, is it like means your job isn't your most important thing. Exactly. Probably. It's like, don't care about your job. Like when you travel, you're like, wow, everyone's just like a human. And it probably makes you just be like, I'm doing my job. And then I'm going to go have ramen in Canada. <laughs> okay, Mr. You mean Mr. Noodles. Um, tiny little side note. Did you listen to the recent happiness slab? Yeah. About making friends at work. Yeah. And part of it I thought was like kind of problematic not in like Whoa. a cancelable way i just kind of like the premise if you they listen, still do better help i love too. I they love, still do better help okay ads. but i love the happiness lab like i'm not trying to drag um it's like one of my favorite podcasts. me too i just find it weird they do better help ads i'm like you're the anyways continue yeah uh, they're like basically a therapy yeah <laughs> it's just weird but um the premise was like this one girl realized like you should not put your work like she found did all this research that was like stop trying to make friends at work like gen z's realized you don't need to like work's taking advantage of you make your friends outside work but yeah. then the whole premise of the episode was like actually your work relationships are can what make you the most happy but it was kind of and i didn't disagree with the final thesis but a lot of it was <clears throat> skimming over this idea that like often your work doesn't give a shit about you maybe the your companions and coworkers, it's worth like making friends with them. But like it kind of ignored this bigger part that like at the end of the day, your work is exploiting you or, or like it will cut you if it has to. Anyway, you, you thought that I thought that most of it was saying don't make friends. But by the end, by the end, she's kind of like, and she realized her research was wrong and mine was right. Like she <laughs> yeah. literally says that at the yeah. end. She's like, you got to focus on your work friends. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm not saying you shouldn't try and have friends at work, but like they really reel it back around and go like, all that other research is wrong. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> and it's like also like, 
It's just she like, literally ends by going, and I was right. Yeah, I know. And she is so funny because she is one of those people. I love people. her. I love her too, but she is definitely one of those people who has work friends. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like she's always like, my biggest issue is that I only sleep two hours a night because I'm constantly working. And like maybe I got to go see a movie once a month with my kid. What, what, so like, she how just do like, I be happier? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like there's so many. And like it's always like a guy from Stanford coming in being like, I'm a workaholic. But, yeah. but I bring that up to say like deeply. it's interesting that digital nomads are on service at least much happier because probably their work-life balance is it's better. better. Yeah. And I guess that was like Lori Santos is the happiest lap. I think her argument was like, you already have to spend so much time at work. You can get a lot out of having But friends. now if you're not even going into work and you're just on your yeah. computer, I'm like, I don't want a Zoom friend. I exactly. did that in the pandemic yeah. and it was hell. Who was your Zoom friend? When we had to like, when I had a fucking cocktail hour and we like <laughs> played games on Zoom, it's like, that's absolute hell. I'm not going back there. Uh, fair. I thought you meant like you had a work friend on Zoom. <laughs> but they no, said people who are my most only satisfied work at work have a work best friend. Um, okay. A few other facts. So since... Like, okay, how do I say this? It says nomads who plan to continue as digital nomads over the next two or three years has declined since like starting in like they're probably starting because to be like, a lot of offices are now like you actually have to come to work yeah, once or twice a week a yeah. week so like there's this give and take and it's, it's coming they back. think it's kind of dropping because of that like pressure to go back to the office gotcha. so also an interesting stat 14 percent of digital nomads do not tell their employer that they're doing it so like what? they are somewhere else. They have that background that's like yeah, gray, exactly. but it's actually yeah. Bali. We know someone who kind of did that, don't we? Or maybe I didn't. Maybe they did tell their job. But I feel like we've met people who are just like, yeah, my job doesn't know I'm here right now. Oh, that's that's different. The people I'm thinking of, we were like traveling with them. Yeah, not like but digital nomad living like somewhere. every day. Yeah, being so. like, oh my god, the traffic in LA is horrible. <laughs> but they're like in Mexico City. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So those are my little. So fourteen percent of digital nomads are liars. <laughs> well, or maybe they just know that. Whatever I don't know. Yeah, I you guess it's you. true. If you're if you're if you're able to get all your work want done, you to come in and you're doing your work. I think that would be their argument, but they're probably like, if I say something, it's gonna be a problem. So yeah. I'll just keep doing my work from here. Okay, so now I'm gonna talk about Puerto Rico. It was funny, like okay. the articles I found were Puerto Rico, Medellin, and Barcelona. I'm like, wow, As those the are top the three. three yeah, like it was just me googling, <laughs> and I was like, those are the three places we've <laughs> I, been in the last like. But year. I was like, at least like if I had been digital nomads in all three, and those were my top three Google results, I would have been like, fuck. <laughs> but okay, so Puerto Rico, there's a big issue since the pandemic because they have this like tax incentive incentive it's kind of crazy that like now all these puerto ricans are like we can't have this because the locals don't get the tax incentive but the uh, people it was who like are, to encourage yeah. outside money to come also in. same with with spain and barcelona spain has this digital nomad six month like they mm. the actual government incentivized like british people and people to come right. so now that like there's like all this graffiti in barcelona, barcelona that's like digital nomads go home it's kind yeah. of the alberta thing of the yeah the british guys probably like wait there was a sign that's yeah. that spain we want you to come like you know what i mean like there is like right like we were actually advertised by your country to show up here and given a visa or given like some incentive to come um yeah i think like we're at the beginning stages of this digital nomadism and I think governments are figuring out how to do it. And I think people are as well. Like people aren't overly educated about it. I think yeah. more people will start to realize, okay, how do I do this? Like ethically, if I'm going to yeah. do it. You don't want to be like the like digital nomad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, on the surface, it sounds like a fun thing, but you have to, I think, yeah. stop, check like your privilege. Obviously, yeah. you have to be privileged enough to be able to do yeah. it and then like realize where you are. So like, but the, but the back to the Puerto Rico thing, it was that um, when you go to the island, you are exempt from paying income and capital gains taxes on the passive income you earn. And this tax break isn't available for local or existing residents mm. of Puerto Rico. So, so many Americans are now like buying like places in Puerto Rico, and, working mm -hmm. there. Like we went to Puerto Rico. The beaches are like, mm. it's a good lifestyle. You like, it, yeah, yeah. like, um, and so, yeah, like because the fact that office work is like so like much less common, they saw such an influx of wealthy investors, new workers, digital nomads moving in to have a beachside life and then take the tax breaks for non-residents. So now they're like, okay, it's making it unaffordable for us actual residents. Bad Bunny wrote a song about this. <laughs> well, I had seen even then, yeah. in some places like Chiang Mai, like a lot of foreign investors, like you said, buy up property, but they market themselves as though you're staying at a local person's home. And so that money is not even going to that country at the end of the day. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like tricking you into a short-term rental. Well, when we nice, went to Medellin, the guy that owned our place, was, yeah, we realized we later he didn't realized live he there. lived in the Caribbean island somewhere else. And I was like, you're from here, right? And he's like, I love visiting. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I want to. Saw my leg off. Yeah. So it's, and it's hard to know those things. Like you can't, unless you explicitly ask, yeah. like, are you, because the person we were, who was managing it there lived there, but obviously they're not the one who owned it. No. Like, or we couldn't yeah. have known that until we met them. Um, my research on the impact on the host country. So like it is so new in this mass way, right? Yeah. So it's it like new. a lot of the relationship is underexplored. There's not a lot of research, but what there is is that it can facilitate gentrification, obviously, as we've yeah. already discussed, um, but it can also lead to innovation and other benefits to the local economy. Also. Oh yeah, like you're gonna get a sick new yoga studio, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, that was a really interesting thing that I'm gonna get to soon. Maybe I'll just say it now. One of the biggest problems with digital nomads is that they actually create communities within communities. Yes, totally. And that means they're not Actually, actually engaging with the local yeah. community. Yeah. Remember when we um, went to like that gay pre-drink and then we found out it was like a digital nomad meetup yeah. and it was like no one here. Like it's I'm like from I was here. like, I want to meet an Argentinian so bad, <laughs> but I like can't. Yeah. So it says this is like that big study. It was like privileged or sorry, this was a review that was pulling from lots of other studies. Um Privileged immigrants build enclaves or insular communities where they have little in interaction with local communities. And this was a quote. It said, instead of immersing themselves in local cultures, they move within the bohemian Western alternative space. And rather than being at home everywhere, they are with people who share their lifestyle and values. Huh. It is thus not simply migration to a specific place, but migration to a specific alternative social scene that exists in various places. That's what the Barcelona survey Isn't that was saying. It was literally people being like, you're like, fine. Come to Poblé New. Actually, they probably are like not even saying that. They're probably like, don't come to Poblé New, this neighborhood. But at least bring us something by joining what we're doing, or not contribute doing to your, our community. Yeah. yeah, I think so. What it did say is a lot of digital nomads don't know how to get involved with the local community. There's probably yeah, language fair. barriers. There's probably like cultural barriers where you're like, a, you might feel guilty. You might not. You might feel out of place. Um, Whereas others argue that nomads actively seek to keep their distance to keep it exotic. Like it's part of the appeal that you're like somewhere different and they're like the different people that are surrounding. Ew, me. what the fuck? Yeah, that's weird. Okay. Um, 
But I could imagine like a lot of people go to places where they don't know the language that well. And so then that is the, such a limiting factor that they're looking for people who only speak English. Yeah. Okay. The language definitely, but you know what? I feel so, I'm just like, you know, didn't sleep while I'm in a bad mood. And like whenever <laughs> I watch like a fucking YouTube video, yeah, I'm a YouTuber who's like, this platform's a mess. <laughs> but whenever I wa sadly watch a YouTube video and it's like about travel, I'm like, this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. Cause they'll be like, Oh my God. Like you can come here and there'll be this cafe for you. And there's yoga. Like they yeah, start they're being promoting like, the things that are literally like, like the you reason have at home. Why digital nomads are slaying it in Barcelona is cause it's affordable and you can have your Starbucks. Like, and mm. they just start saying all the things that like I hate about Toronto. But, but like you, in yeah, there, you have access to like, everywhere. In why America. are you needing to do that if you're in, like, why the fuck did you go to Barcelona yeah, then? It's true. Like, literally. Like, if you're going to be a digital nomad, don't you want to go because you want to be somewhere else? Otherwise, just. And, and that's where it comes it. back to what you're saying. Yeah. Some people are doing it to escape the pricing challenges uh, of. So home. they want their lifestyle of home. They want to be like, yeah. Somewhere else. Yeah. That's. And that's colonial. what this, these studies found <laughs> is obviously that's what happens yeah. to those neighborhoods. Like, and to be fair, when we do travel, we are tourists. Like even when we live in Colombia for three months, like we don't work and we act like tourists in a way where I'm like, we do seek out the local things. Cause that's to us what tourism is. If I was stuck somewhere or in this case chose to live somewhere for six months, I might start to go, fuck, I need that's when you start to go like, I need my like you home. miss your life. You like, yeah. The, yeah. And then you're the like, comforts you're of like, home. Oh, yeah. awkward. I'm actually going to Starbucks every day. Oops. Yeah. And, like, and even just like, cause we never feel that pressure. Cause it's hard to make new habits and break old habits. So if you love like the way your gym is, if you mm -hmm. love going to yoga, you're going to be searching for those things. I was actually into. annoyed when I was in Europe where I was like, I need a parfait. <laughs> I was like, it Isn't is that breakfast. Like where parfaits I are need, from. Oh, sorry. I'm like, I need oatmeal and yogurt. I cannot eat a <laughs> croissant and a coffee. Like it's like, it's like, and it's like, I would start being like, I can oh. eat anything for breakfast. Yeah. I know. I love, like, I love a savory breakfast. Me oh. too. No, you don't. No, yeah, you're right. You I love a sweet breakfast. Sorry, no, but I don't like a chocolate croissant. I don't know why. I, I mean, I didn't like really want a that, chocolate but croissant, but <clears throat> you said it was hard. Like, I remember in India, it was extra hard for you. Not that after a while, I was like, I can't keep having curry every single day. For yeah, no, that meal. was really hard for breakfast because it was dal. It was like. But I loved that at first until I, you know, we were yeah, there. We were in India a long time. Yeah, and also I am Indian. But so. I'm just like, I think that like. I could see if I was a digital nomad starting to fall into wanting those comforts of home. And that's like the tension where mm -hmm. this is, where it's like, well, then why the fuck don't you go home? Yeah. Because I think if you're a culture and if you're being displaced from your neighborhood, even in a wealthy city like Barcelona, then it's like, I can only imagine what's going to happen in Mexico yeah, or Colombia Barcelona, if this isn't controlled. Like Barcelona is a wealthy city, but it's all relative, right? So yeah. like when we were there, people were like, the average salary in Barcelona is not that high. But yeah. then of course the cost of living is, well, while well, becoming harder, be, yes. it's like more in range with people's salaries. <coughs> so if you're like an American coming with these huge salaries or Canadian or anyone. Or British. Or British, like you're arriving and inflating everything. Yeah. So like. Yeah, it just makes sense that even though Barcelona is a very affluent place, it's all relative yeah. to like it, what That's what I thought was so interesting because you're walking around, you're seeing Loewe, you're seeing <laughs> these gorgeous streets, this like luxury stuff. But at the same time, there's also like all these really like local neighborhoods and these like beautiful apartments that are just like maybe were inexpensive four years ago. And now, 
you know, Barcelona's an absolute sleigh. Mm -hmm. So people are moving there from across the world. And that's what they were saying to mm -hmm. us was the issue with cost of living was digital nomads. That's how it was explained mm -hmm. to us. Yeah. It's like, that sucks. Like that is yeah. actually an issue. And I mean, my only argument to that is I don't doubt that's contributing, but I think every local economy right now, including our own, is seeing extreme struggles with like cost yeah, of living and, and they, it might be easier for them to go, well, it's the fucking digital nomads. Yeah. But it's like actually everywhere in the world is having this like really shrinking Our, middle class and... That's not to say they are. Are wrong. there digital nomads in Toronto? The like, probably. Yeah, but the for... thing about Toronto that's so interesting is that it's so diverse. Like it's the most multicultural city in the world. So you can't feel this tension of tourists ever. Like you're not nearly as aware of it. Because yeah. I'm like, who's a tour? Like, you know what I mean? Like anyone could be a tourist. The only time I've ever like, because I love tourists in Toronto because <laughs> I'm obsessed with Toronto. I want people to like it. Like if I see someone holding a map, I'm always like, hey, so like. What do you want to do? Like, mm -hmm. I like go up to them and they're probably like, <laughs> Canadians are freakishly nice. But it's when they're holding a map. That's the only right. time. And, and now people don't even do phone. that anymore. Yeah. That was more like 10 years ago. I used to see lots of people. But now it's like in Barcelona, Spanish people look a certain way. They have a certain vibe. Even if they're South well, American. Well, Spanish. Like, I think yeah. in in um okay Toronto, yeah, most everyone comes as a tourist, like knowing they have to speak some English. No, no. But also in Canada on the subway, everyone's speaking Five any language right. like so you don't another have language. this like yeah whereas in barcelona there's a tension towards tourists and digital nomads in mexico there's a tension in toronto if there was a digital nomad community it's not ruining the city we have no, we don't not. we're not dealing with that a we you also can't tell b i don't know if it's happening i was gonna say we also don't deal with it in the way that some cities have like cruise ships arriving at yeah, once and you, and you see crazy. huge like groups of hundreds of people moving together and i, I think it be, it's like more visually obvious yeah also i'm sure downtown toronto like we're far enough from like the main bits of the city but there is not a conversation in any of our local no. news whereas i was looking up barcelona medellin mm. local news it's like there's always something about digital mm. nomads there's always something about tourists and how to maintain the city's vibrancy and affordability in the midst of that. Whereas in Toronto, it's like, wow, like there's, n it's just not an issue right now. Yeah. I mean, Toronto is also one of the most expensive cities in the world. And I feel like it's what's so, creating digital nomads. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely the expensive cities with high salaries are the ones who export digital nomadism, yeah. right? It doesn't mean that there's probably Americans and British people and Australian people who come in and are like, I'm going to go live in Toronto for four months and yeah. just work like from my home job there. But I, I think like it's actually prohibitive for a lot of people from other countries because it's so expensive the, that it you're more likely to be a tourist for a week. To have gone to Europe and have, even with the Euro being such a stronger currency than the Canadian dollar, have the cities be cheaper than in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Toronto is so expensive. It's yeah. kind of wild. Uh, back to the impact on just like research has found. It says ethnographic research suggests that digital nomads are not really contributing their skilled labor to local economies where they temporarily reside. Because so, they're doing their work for their company. And yeah, home. but some of the idea was maybe they come and like are providing like unique labor and like who hmm. knows what they be. Like, you could yeah. you could have a certain kind of skill that maybe could be useful in yeah, your community. True. Like, oh, you're a digital nomad because maybe you're self-employed. Maybe you do like some kind of work that you can do anywhere. Like, yeah. So overall, the finding is like that's not being contributed. Um obviously like money does come in so it goes to local businesses and cafes yeah, like there yeah. is some advantage but like you said a lot of those transform <laughs> to the tastes of the, the nomads yeah 
Um, and also like, yeah. Oh, yeah. this was just like talking about Mexico City. It says, of the 10,000 apartment listings on Airbnb in Mexico City, the average price is 1450 pesos a day, while 95% of Mexicans only earn 518 pesos a day. Oh, wow. So it's like just showing the discrepancy between what a local person could afford as a daily rate versus like what they're being listed as yeah. is obviously catering. And even for us, like when we were traveling, you realize if, if you, the thing is, it's actually sometimes difficult to find a, a, a short to medium term rental when you're in another country and until you arrive somewhere, you don't yeah. necessarily know like that's what people what were doing in Medellin. They would get an Airbnb for a week and then find an yeah. apartment. But you realize like how, when you don't know what the prices are, you're willing to spend like something somewhat equivalent to what you'd yeah, spend at home which is on crazy. Airbnb. And then you get there and you're like, oh, like we definitely spent a lot more money than we probably should have on yeah, Airbnb. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's just something that, that there is that barrier because you don't necessarily know the ways to look it up properly or who to connect with. In some countries, it's easier once you're there. Like a lot of places are like, it's posted locally and you have to like go physically and it's not always just like on a website. Um, the only other thing I want to say is like a lot of countries are starting to manage this. There are now 50 countries that offer digital nomad visas. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not saying it's necessarily that's a good not thing. Necessarily managing it. That's no, just but that's, it's it. at least becoming like part of that conversation and governments yeah. are going to have to start realizing what, what is this doing to local exactly. populations. This is like, I think it's overall a bad thing. I think honestly, like just as someone who's like observed, other cities kind of just Puerto Rico, Medellin and Barcelona going, how long do we have a problem? I think a digital nomad visa should have some sort of tax that you have to mm -hmm. pay to be there. Well, that's what you, the visa you usually pay for, but it's probably, no, no, these visas are encouraging people to uh, come. Okay. This is why it says, why do they want digital nomads? Again, I'm not, standing up for this. The this government is just like, might want Yeah, it. it says the government at all levels realize that digital nomads spend more money than short-stay tourists, don't put much strain on public services, create jobs for locals, and even start local businesses. That's like... The, That's so... Yeah, it feels like they're going to see glasses. the flip side of that yeah. now, that the communities themselves are being destroyed. People aren't going to want to go there when they're like, wait, this is a sterilized yeah. version of North America. Yeah, totally. I think, I think that is like... I could see why landlords and the government mm -hmm. are like slay but what i'm thinking is that in order for it to oh god and like no i'm not even gonna say trickle down <laughs> but in order for it to not have these negative impacts i think digital nomads should have to pay a tax a personal tax for the visa like a, a substantial like monthly tax that somehow works its way back into like public housing or mm -hmm. something like that like how like we pay where our house is, a monthly tax for public housing based on the price of our house. It's socialism. It's like, well, well that would be the assumption in the other countries that wherever you're staying, that person is paying a tax. But it's it. like if that is three, if you're charging this person three right. times the amount, they should be paying that much more in tax yeah. to that local, like, just if I was yeah, a yeah. government, I'd I be don't like, let's do that. No, and it's what, not like sorry. I think people would still go. People are still it's so popular now. People mm -hmm. are still going to want to go to Barcelona. Yeah, I think for sure tax. take the take the digital nomads for not all they're worth. Like you want them to still come if there's these benefits, but how do you at least 
even use some of that tax money to support the local community. That's because that will destroy it in the long run. If, yeah. If like if you find out that Poblado and Medellin is just like a sterilized like American version of what it was one day, like yeah. eventually you're not looking long term where people are gonna be like, that's not that interesting. Yeah. I wanted to go somewhere that felt like I was somewhere else. But Actually, Colombia is so interesting because Barcelona is so much more North American. And I remember when we went, like, you know how every goddamn, like, price point did restaurant will have, like, an Aesop soap? Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's like, okay, we're at a kind of nice restaurant because they have, like, sandalwood soap. That, in my head, I'm like, this is all so natural. I'm like, is this even killing bacteria or just making my hands hand smell, smell like a it's flower? It's just perfume. Yeah. yeah. But, like, anyways, there's Aesop soap, whatever. Now, I, get, I bet that's even, like, outdated. There's, like, cooler ones. Like, mm-hmm. Yamen and Gertz or whatever. <laughs> And we were in Colombia at like a restaurant and I like went into the bathroom and I was like, oh, damn it. There was Aesop soap. I was like, wow, like we are in a global world. Like even Colombia has an Aesop. And then I like, <laughs> like looked closer and it was like a, like a weird symbol, like an S. Like and then it was a complete knockoff. And then we went online because I was like, I was like, is there an Aesop in Medellin? Like, no, there's not an Aesop <laughs> in Medellin. Like, there probably will be in a yeah. few years, but like at this point. And then we Googled and it was like, you can buy on Amazon just like just the Aesop looking soap bottles mm-hmm. to put in your fancy ass like <laughs> restaurant to make it. And it was just like, that's yeah. like, it, it's still, they still can't get Aesop in Medellin. Mm-hmm. And like, that is to me was like, it was just like funny for me as like a tourist having this moment of like arriving somewhere and being like, there's a, like, you know what I mean? This globalized, yeah. like whatever it's like, okay. Medellin is definitely a place for digital nomads, but it's still, I don't think has to deal with the cultural struggle that Barcelona might be dealing with digital nomads yeah. right now. They're trying to figure out, okay, how do we make sure that like people in from Colombia aren't like, how the hell do I afford to live yeah. in El Poblado anymore or whatever? Although it was crazy. Just like, there's so many rich people in Medellin too. Like when we went to that mm-hmm. mall mm-hmm. that like, upscale mall it was just like a bunch of rich colombians buying like yeah i mean crazy the there's still obviously like an upper class and yeah like it's but it's different it. in the sense that every other city when you go to a luxury mall it's like fendi right gucci gucky or whatever it's called i'm kidding <laughs> i know it's called gucci whereas in medellin there was like this luxury mall it didn't have those brands but right. it had these like like amazing, more local brands like we local didn't, we didn't know board. what like, they were yeah yeah i was I remember i wanted to get a gold chain mm-hmm. i was like oh i'll get a gold chain here like we're like <laughs> learning about gold and then i like transferred it and it was like oh it's an 800 the cheapest gold chain is 800 dollars. and i was just like <laughs> ah okay and, like put it back and was just like whoa i thought i'd be getting like right some, some sort of like deal because i'm like i don't know what store this is and people are buying lots of stuff yeah it was wild Anyway, overall, I think that we're going to be moving. (laughs) (laughs) All this to say, no, I think it's an issue. I think that they need to be taxed and I think it it should be something that hopefully local governments start to figure it out and find a way to balance it with like the needs of the actual people who live there first. Because I could like we're so lucky to not, like you said, in Toronto really have to deal with that. Um, and exactly. that would be it would so, be so annoying. Yeah. It would be so annoying. And to be like, why is my government focusing on this? Yeah. Like, focus on us. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Slay all day. Talk in our Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.